Hello, I'm Scott Sashnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Several topics to talk about. And let's start with the Los Angeles Olympics sponsorship. And with the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Yankees getting together, there's a reason why I'm mentioning both of those clubs. What's that reason, Michael? Because Legends, the marketing and hospitality company controlled by those two teams, they've been named the sponsorship sales agent for the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics. Big dollars, big dollars. Two and a half billion dollars worth of sponsorship to sell. They expire, what, this year, Evan? Coming up next year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, LA 2028 and the USOC has tap legends to go advise and come up with a selling plan. I think they liked legends because they're so well-versed in LA. Sheriff Mir Hashemi was the former president of like international at AEG. They're working with the Rams and the Chargers right now on the new stadium in Inglewood on selling. They did LAFC. LAFC. So uh, they feel pretty comfortable with, their ability to know the local market and solicit the most dollars. Yeah, and this is a this is a big contract. As Scott mentioned, you know, this is a, a joint venture between the USOC and LA twenty twenty eight, which is something that we do in America whenever America is hosting the games, so that the USOC and the and the Olympics are not kind of going against each other. That sounds a little jingoistic to me. Market. This is something we do in America. <laughs> and maybe it happens <laughs> elsewhere. I don't know. This uh, is something we do in America. <laughs> oh, but speaking of America, I did not mean that in, in <laughs> nationalist That's why terms, I wanted to make sure we jump in. There. It's also Team USA. They're also involved in exactly. Yes. Yeah. So they're. They work together. Um, as Scott said, the USOCs, all of their domestic partnerships are going to expire after the Tokyo Games in 2020. Uh, it will be up to Legends and this new joint venture to sell the next eight years leading up to and through the LA 2028 Games. Their goal is to sell $2.5 billion in sponsorships. Um, that would be uh, second highest total ever in an Olympics besides what Tokyo is doing Right now for 2020, they have 55, 56, something like that, local partners. They've yeah. gone kind of above and beyond anything we've ever seen. With the lead from time going in, separate. what do you think, Evan? With the lead time, with the sort of the, the Olympic stature, with the sprawl of digital, the companies are going to find a way to get the, their messages. Yeah, and one of the things, we talked to Kathy Carter, formerly of, of Soccer United Marketing over at MLS, who is now you know kind of, kind of running a lot of the marketing going into the LA 2028 Games. One of the things she mentioned to me, obviously, L.A. has a lot of stadiums already built. They're doing very little building in the next 10 years. And one of the benefits of that is that they don't have to spend time worrying about it. That was the linchpin of their bid. They don't have to spend time thinking about it. No white elephants. Everything's done already. So they have a huge lead time, unprecedented, because they gave the L.A. Olympics when they gave out Paris in 24. So they have more time than ever, less building than almost ever. Uh, And that is, you know, the, the pitch that they're making is that lets them Focus primarily on the money maker that is sponsorships. Yeah, giving exactly. people storytelling opportunities. Exactly. Speaking of which, it, you talk about because Los Angeles they have the facilities. Tokyo, meanwhile, is going through the roof because they keep saying, "Okay, we're going to spin this. Okay, but it's going to go a little more. Okay, it's going to go a little more." If you've been on the Olympics, you might as well. It's it's akin to if anybody's done their house, like done some kitchens and bathrooms in their house. Whatever the contractor tells you. <laughs> Budget another 20, 30, 50, yeah. 80 percent, right? Yeah. It's, it's ne- when does it ever come in on budget? And, and Tokyo has an issue of they're, they're kind of fighting over what's classified as Olympic spending as it is. You know, whether, you know, infrastructure or a new rail system is technically part of the Olympic bid or if that should be happening separately. Uh, but you're right, Scott. I mean, I, whenever you see a this is the budget and you're eight years out, 
you know, you can pretty much assume that that, that number is going to be going up as construction happens. And, and at the end, when you said, and we talking about LA, I thought you were going to talk about the Dodgers and the Red Sox, but maybe we'll close with that. We're going to close. Okay, with okay. That. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay, you got Because I got a lot I want to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this next story, uh, this is rather serious. Uh, Bill Bolin, the brother of Denver Broncos principal owner, Pat Bolin, is asking a Colorado district court to remove the three members of a trust that is running the franchise with Pat Bolin battling Alzheimer's. I got I don't know if you know this, if it's possible for you, when we get to a serious story, you, your voice drops another octave. That's this, scary. This is it is. I didn't know you could possibly do it, but it, it tends to. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, from a sports business perspective, we've seen family squabbles before, but Pat Bolin set this situation up where this trust governs the team, and there are very specific guidelines for whoever is to take over next, as in you have to work for a team or a league, you have to have an advanced degree, and his daughter has gotten the law degree, and the trust didn't think she was ready yet. So you, you don't know at what point this is going to get really ugly. I mean, this is step one in ugly. Let's see if they can. And the, it's not like the team is having a lot of success on the field either. So he tried to set it up where this wouldn't happen, and yet here we are where you know Bill Bolin is, is challenging the trust of the, the three-person trust running this club saying, why are they why are they doing things on check? Shouldn't somebody at least look and see if they're doing things properly? And he's doing this, correct me if I'm wrong, on kind of on behalf of his sister, yeah, right? Yeah. Beth. Uh, Beth Bolin Wallace, who uh, Pat Bolin laid out, you know, some some frameworks for what, you know, one of his children would have to do if they yeah. wanted to take control of the team. What Beth Bolin is saying is that she's done. I've satisfied she's all of these She's done all of those yeah. things. Um, and still the board of trustees, the so board is, is hanging they're, on. They're saying she's not experienced enough. And they're, you know, they're, they're fighting. There's a kind of public yeah. war of words going on about whether what Beth wants to do with the team is, is, is exactly in the, in the interest of what Pat thought when he laid this out. The quote uh, was when she applied, here's the quote from the trust. She was, quote, not capable or qualified at this time. No explanation needed. Just that's it. Not in mm-hmm. our judgment, not capable. Or qualify. Well, now she's at McKinsey, by the way. But see, she announced Beth Bolin Wallace. She announced back in May she wanted control of the team. Yeah. So, so I mean, why until now that we're we're seeing this delay in in action? Why? Who knows why they're moving now? Uh, somebody was moved by by some reason. I mean, we also had his other daughter, Brittany, that she would maybe one day take over, right. and she's got her MBA from Duke. She graduated from Notre Dame with a degree in finance, worked at the NFL headquarters. <laughs> you know, these seem to be some of the things that her father wanted the children to do, and yet not good enough. But see, this is what I don't understand. It's like, this is Pat Bolin's team. So why are the children getting all this resistance with this group of trustees in the first day? Well, that, there's the question now. What is the oversight of the trust? Is their authority unlimited? Is it absolute right, or does somebody now have to come in and say the wishes set forth in the trust have been met, and it's time for you guys to step aside? We're getting to a point, specifically in football, but other sports as well, where this generation of owners are starting to hit the that point yeah. where they're either unfortunately passing away, or they're you know they're handing things down before they do. Um, 
it feels as though we're seeing more and more of this bickering now. Is that just because valuations are well, so you high? You had it in the bus family. You saw sure. it in New Orleans. Exactly. But Amy, the Adams yeah. family in Tennessee. It, it just dun, seems dun, as dun, though. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, I, I, somebody had to. Sorry. <laughs> it was true. The way you said it, right? <laughs> it just, I knew it was coming, man. <laughs> but there are, two, there are two points to add to this that's, that's rather important. Uh, one, obviously, the, the club is valued at $2.5 billion. But two, and this is the most important part, well, why can't the wife of Pat Boland take over? Because she was recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's also. Well, it, it, that's not what was set forth in the trust, number one. I mean, it's just Pat set up this process. I mean, that, that's that's the way it was. So, yeah, I think the valuations have something to do with it. There's a lot of money here at stake, and oftentimes hands are out. and. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And we've seen a lot of NFL franchises in the past maybe 10 years or so pass down to offspring seamlessly as well. I don't yeah. want to imply that it always ends up as a mess, but it certainly feels as though recently we've seen more and more ownership challenged when 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 the patriarch Wives, is ready to step, step down. parents, yeah. kids. Yeah, it's it sometimes has the potential to get messy. And if you're a sports banker out there, how do you – do you do you salivate over things like this? Is this no, potentially you, no, a team uh, that's Let me for answer. Sale? No, you yeah. want you want uh, bankers want clean process. Hmm. They they want process. That that's all. They want. Like, let's just take for example here the, the Portland Trailblazers and the Seattle Seahawks. They have a process, and right now the daughter has taken over as trustee of the estate. She will declare her intentions as to whether she wants to liquidate one of the assets, not what. But I can tell you the bankers. Are waiting to see what that process will be, and before they go whole hog in, hmm. because you know the, the, these things are all guided by success fees. You're going to spend a whole lot of time and money and effort for something that may be so convoluted, so complicated that they just want clean process. Well, again, Pat Bolin owns 76 percent of the team. His brother Bill owns the remaining 24 percent. And again, what I'm not getting is why are the trustees having all this power in the first place? Because that's what Pat laid out. Pat gave it to them. Pat gave it to them. He he laid out that there will be a three these three people, this trust will govern the franchise, and you know, all the, they seemingly think that it's still, they have the right to say, despite the fact that the daughters have satisfied the verbatim requirements, that in their estimation, and this this power was granted to them, it's still not in the best interest of the franchise for them to take over at this point. They just don't have enough experience. No, I, I get that. I, I understand that. But what I'm saying is, and this is, I'm trying not to, to put it in McGruff terms here, but if Pat Bolin eventually passes, which, yes, we all die, but if, when he eventually passes, why is it then that John Bolin, why is it not written that John Bolin takes over and then makes the shots? Because that's not what Pat wanted. If he, if he left the team to John, that, that would be the case. I mean, if in his will he left this asset to John, that's what would happen. But a trust will govern the majority ownership of the team, and John will still be a limited partner. That's the way it's spelled out. All right. I, I'm done digging All right. this. And Next. Pray, prayers to everybody. There will be more on this, there. Yes, I'm sure. We'll get <laughs> I'm just going to simply say this Evan's story on Epic Games Investment. 
<laughs> you want a number for some like you know not just esports but video games in general like where we're headed give me give them the number give them the valuation yeah there's a top line here the, the company that makes uh fortnite epic games uh is now valued at 15 billion dollars <laughs> that's a b. a b yeah that was a b <laughs> uh the news last week uh was that you know that they just took on 1.25 billion in investment uh from a handful of companies headlined by kkr uh, and axiomatic gaming um that's a big number, you know, and it shows yeah. by sophisticated investors. Yeah, it shows both the kind of the the reach of of Fortnite, and then there's another kind of property. They they have two main, you know, they have two main assets. Fortnite being one of them, the other being something called the Unreal Engine, which is kind of the back end technology on which a lot of games uh, operate. You know, it it is the kind of the starter kit for making a lot of both computer games and now increasingly other things in the in the entertainment VR world. Um, but yeah, fifteen billion dollars for this company. That's uh, that's wow. my son had his pal. Nice my, my son had his pal. We mentioned Hart Orenstein on the show quite a bit. His son Dax was over playing Fortnite with Jackson the other day. I was upstairs. All of a sudden, there is screaming. They hit a zombie, didn't they? Well, well, uh, <laughs> apparently, I, I learned some terminology. Dax is a noob, which means new to the game, yeah. right? Yeah. Got his first kill. Oh. So good. I mean, there was a celebration, like. Better than their hockey team had won a game or whatever. They, those kids were stomping up and down. He was so excited. Uh, I'm just happy because nobody asked me for like five, ten dollars to buy more V bucks or whatever those. You know, like oh, the in-game yeah, purchases. Yeah, I've, I've already. I, been I, I've, my, my, my guy yeah. knows. Don't even come to me anymore. The answer is no. <laughs> you can get different. I don't skins. care if you need a skin or a rifle, yeah. whatever it is. I don't care. Yeah. The answer is not. It's no. There's a new not. gun in the game too. Yeah, and yeah they have these tournaments now. These special tournaments. I don't. I'm I like no. Way. They got fifteen so, billion. And, and all <laughs> so the, evil, and evil all, for parents. All these things are, you know, things that Epic Games is doing to try to keep the game relevant. You know, right. but and, and they've Wasn't, done. A, and what was the sign recently that perhaps the popularity was waning? Yeah, viewership of of Fortnite on Twitch is going down. Gone down for the past two months. Now those um, are, I would think, on Twitch. Those are those are probably sophisticated gamers. Not, yeah, a lot not of the, the kid, yeah. There's some yeah. casual people watching streams. Yeah. There's also some sophisticated gamers in there. Uh, Fortnite had been kind of on like a rocket ship trajectory up. Uh, it, it peaked a couple months ago and is now kind of going down. The big question, you know, and it's a, a question that lingers over esports across the industry. Games ebb and flow in their popularity. A game that is very popular one year could be dead two years later. Um, and Fortnite kind of took market share away from a game called PUBG, um, which you know is, is not paid nearly as much as it was on its, at its heyday because Fortnite came in. Um, so yeah, if you, if you think about Epic Games as a, as a studio, uh, if Fortnite loses popularity, they still have the Unreal Engine. But what do they do, you know, either to keep the game relevant or what's the next game? That's the big question. By the way, uh, we should add because we got to wrap it up. Congratulations to the Boston Red Sox. They won game five to take the entire fall classic and the title. The poor Los Angeles Dodgers. This is the second year in a row where they're runner-ups. Hey, sorry, Stan Caston, Tucker came, but you got to get better. You you played a really good team, right? They they Red Sox lost the first game of the year and they went like eighteen and two or something. You know, Speaking they, of they never eighteen, back. I wish oh. I would have saved that for the number of the week. But I saw I was up at three thirty watching the eighteenth inning of that Your game. Third trip to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Third sorry, trip sorry, Ty, goodness, too easy. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks, man, for busting me. We, I was, I was, I made the household man. I'm up early Saturday morning and I'm screaming, man, and I'm waking everybody up. And the seventeen like, inning game. 
18. 18 in a 18 game. In a okay. game. And, and poor Fox. I mean, people made all this stink about, oh, we got two big yeah, five, classic five games, teams, yeah. Red Sox, Dodgers, how great this is for the broadcasters. Five games is a disaster. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is not what they want at all, and regardless we, of who the team is. Where do we vote it on my nephew, by the way? has t- Had tickets for game six in Boston. So I sent a text to my uh, my sister last night. Are you rooting for the Red Sox? Because they win, or you're rooting for the Dodgers? Because then you probably get to be Root there the when Dodgers. they do, and right? Root for the Dodgers. Eh, they were like, "Oh, we're fans. Just get it over with." I was <laughs> in the. Had I done that, by the way, speaking of Dodgers, I know we, we got to go, but Game Six, 1977 World Series, my first baseball game ever. Oh, you went there. I was. That was my Reggie hit his three. I have the little pictures in the Polaroid. The one where thing. they're throwing quarters out on the field. That one. What quarters? Remember the one where, where well, this is Reggie Jackson? This is known as Reggie Jackson hit three home runs in the World Series to I'm, win it. That's what I'm saying. But wasn't there one where they were throwing quarters out on the field and Reggie Jackson? I have no idea. Uh, I never see. threw quarters. Can we see this picture? Can you bring it in? Yeah, I actually tweeted it a yeah. couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I got them in the. In, it's in my desk, as a matter of fact. I'll, I'll tweet. The, I'll tweet some of the photos. Wait, yeah. how old were you, really quick? I how was old? seven. Aww. Yeah, I, my father liked liked to say uh, he was there, but he didn't see any of it because as soon as Reggie hit the ball, I jumped up on his lap. So he's like, oh, he's like, I just oh, trust oh. the ball went out because everybody celebrated, but I didn't see anything. I'm telling you, man, this but remember help same... me out there, Twitter world, I... because there was one where they were throwing quarters out on the field for Reggie Jackson. I remember that I, because I Keith Jackson was was making Whoa, fun of it. Oh, Nelly! Yeah, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. He never lets podcast. me finish, Medina. He never lets me what finish. Did I, do? I wanted to hear the rest of Scott's story. I was going to say it was symmetry was because that year, I, sorry, Yankee fans back then, it was three to two. I was or three one. I was rooting for the Dodgers to win so that the series would come back to New York. Now, had it worked out the same way as this time, I would not have seen Reggie Jackson hit three home runs. See, that's true. Right. Simple math. But <laughs> can, can I lock it nah, out? Now? Finish. Can I lock it out? Finish. Thank you. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soshnick and Evan Ovi Williams. We are here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online where podcasts are available. 